found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back. Jason and Isaac here talking cars again this week. And um, I, I think I'm kind of let you, letting you down a little bit this week, Jason. I don't think I have any car sightings. Nothing? To talk about. I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I've seen the, the Huracan again. That's starting to become like a weekly thing. I see him at least yeah. once a week now. Um, so I saw that. And it's all I can think of for now. Um, but I'll keep pondering it and see if I can remember any others. Okay. But I got to give it to the guy. Like I said before, he, he actually drives the car. So it's nice to see it out and being driven. Good for him. You know, it's far too often you see cars like that, you know, in the garage, taken out every once in a while. So hopefully he's driving to work or something or to meet yeah. a client. <laughs> yeah, probably meet a client. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's not driving to a local burger joint to flip burgers. Yeah, right. Or maybe he's driving to a burger joint because he owns the burger joint. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> What's going on with you? I didn't even see anything crazy this week. Interestingly enough, I, I do like a walk on my lunch break, trying to get into shape and all that good stuff, trying to get my beach body going. Um, but so like on my walk today, there's this house on the corner. It's like a mixed-use property. Um, the woman, I think, operates like a psychic place out of it. Okay. And uh, today, there were three cars paralleled in this small driveway. One of them looked like it was a, it was a Cobra, like an AC Cobra. Probably okay. it was a kit. It was probably a kit because right. those things are really hard to come by. Um, but looked really good. And then flanking that car were two Porsches they had and had the RUF emblems on the on the rims okay and I want to say they were late 90s okay like you ever see bad boys long time ago do you remember the Porsche he had at the end vaguely I think it like it was a black uh turbo but it could have just been a black 911 of some kind but you know like you know the body style I'm thinking of though right like late 90s yeah that one was I think that was probably, I want to say mid nineties when it was shot. So yeah, it's definitely the, it's probably a nine, nine, three or a nine, six, four. Uh, one of the air cooled ones. Yeah, definitely. Definitely air cooled. Um, and it was cool cause they were in really good shape and I don't know what they were, if they're detailing them or what have you, I was trying to take a picture to send to you, but uh, there was like, there was a couple people around and, it probably would look super creepy if I was doing that. So I decided against it, but I figured we would just talk about it. Um, okay. So interesting because, you know, my normal, our normal car sightings are on the road. And this was something that I wouldn't expect to see in the area that I was in. So we'll, we'll chalk that up as the car sighting of the week. Speaking of cars being driven, I was chatting with a client today. Um, mm -hmm. He's got an... An older, older R8, like a, mm -hmm. I think it's like a 2010, 2012, the first generation, mm -hmm. and a current generation RS5. Um, mm. We were talking about travel and stuff, and he's actually made 
several trips cross country with his R8. Wow. And he said he used to, before he had the RS5, he did it and he had an RS4, which um, is, is really cool too. So he's definitely a car guy. He's like, I always try to, I never know where I'm going to go because I'm always looking for, for roads, like driving roads while I'm on my trips. So I kind of take a different route every time. Mm -hmm. um, but we were, we were talking about travel and, and driving roads and stuff like that. And he actually mentioned that he found some really good roads in Southern Ohio, which I would have never guessed because when I drove to uh, Milwaukee, like 15 years ago, I took um, Interstate 80 across the top of Ohio and you might as well have been in Kansas. It was flat as a pancake and mm -hmm. straight and boring. It was seemed like it took three days to get through Ohio. It was, it was crazy. Um, so I was really surprised to hear that. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, well, it kind of makes sense because Southern Ohio meets up with West Virginia and mm. Kentucky. And so that's, you know, on the backside or the, the west side of the Appalachians and um, maybe some of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm not quite sure. But when I thought about it, it made a little bit more sense. But when you think of Ohio, you don't think of that. You think of, you know, the northern area. Yeah. I would not think of Ohio as a, a place that you would seek out for good driving roads was his r8 in for work or was it just RSI? maintenance just maintenance just maintenance was it a stick no his is an automatic i always like to see those cars being driven long distances as well because again you know a lot of people take them out every once in a while and take them on parades whatever yeah i don't know how long he's had it um i mean let's call it a 2012 just for mm. conversation's sake he said he bought it. He said he bought it with like two thousand miles, and now it's got over thirty on it. So nice. Um, he might have only picked it up a few years ago, for all I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been there over three years, and he's been coming there as long as I can remember with the R8. So he's definitely had it for probably at least four years. Um, but yeah, he drives it. It's good. Does he bring the uh, RS5 in? Yeah, that was just in for a tire swap a few weeks ago. Like summer or winters or summers. Yeah, he's a driver. He's he's probably like late seventies, if I were to guess. Um, and, but wow, still, really good for him. Yeah, That's awesome. Still enjoys his sports cars and, and driving that. and stuff like that. He nice. he tracks the R eight every every now and then, maybe once or wow. twice a year. So yeah, he's a driver. That's impressive. Um, I saw something today. This is not last week's topic, but I it was caught my eye. What what's your thoughts on Maserati as a brand? I'm not sure if I have an actual opinion. Mm -hmm. um, some of their cars look good. Um, obviously, they have a history of, or they can be known for not the greatest reliability. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, essentially, they're, they're a more available Ferrari product. When I say that, I mean, like, imagine if you bought a Ferrari sedan and we're daily driving it and you put 40,000 miles on it, it's not going to have the same reliability as a BMW sedan with 40,000 mm -hmm. miles on it. And so it's going to be, you know, more high maintenance and high strung and stuff like that. But the flip side is you've got, you know, a great sounding Ferrari derived V6 or V8, depending on the car. Um, the Levante I think it's just another SUV in the world. I actually really like the styling of the Ghibli. I think those are nice looking cars. They came out, I want to say about 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. I've always thought they were good looking cars. They sound good. I don't know much about them as far as performance or reliability, but um, 
you know, in the, the grand, the GT, whatever they call it, the, the coupe. Um, that looks okay. I think it's kind of awkward looking, especially the older ones, like uh, oh, the Quattro Porte. Um, yeah. That was, a, that was an odd looking car yeah. from like 10 years ago. So I'm kind of mixed on them. I don't feel like they have a consistent track record of good, beautiful styling or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, high end reliability or, extreme performance or anything like that i think they're kind of like a middle of the road low-grade italian supercar if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i never really was a huge fan of the interiors on those cars uh the ghibli i liked but only the one like the higher end one i I didn't know they made a higher end one well there's two different options like a stick to like a four-cylinder and they had like a higher performance i think it had a six-cylinder in it yeah, I think I think it's uh, essentially the probably the Ferrari four liter with two cylinders cut off of it. Maybe. Um, I think it's probably related to the Alfa Romeo uh, Giulia Quadrifoglio's engine. Okay. So the Giulia Quadrifoglio Ferrari won't admit it, but the Alfa Romeo engine is the like the four eight eight engine, mm-hmm. like with two less cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, or one of the Ferrari V8s. It's just a six-cylinder version, even though Ferrari doesn't want to admit it. But it sounds great. Uh, and I think that's essentially probably the same engine that's in the Maserati. I think they have a little more way to go, and at least to attract me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because I saw something online a couple of days ago that Levante, it's interesting that you mentioned that first, is coming out with a... Uh, Yes, I think my pronunciation might be wrong, but Trofeo, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's, it claims to have 850 horsepower V8 in it, which I know you're not an SUV guy, but that's pretty cool as far as you know SUVs are concerned. You yeah, definitely I mean, take that to soccer practice. I feel like I've heard about the Trofeo recently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to circle over back around to something. I can't think of it right now, but yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me that they're coming out with a high performance version because it's kind of like the trend right now is, you know, everybody's got their SUV for X segment and then there's got to be a per- performance version of it. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not totally surprised by that and performance numbers I, or power numbers, you know, we're in a power war right now. Because that's what sells cars sometimes. I like that's, it. That's definitely great. gonna be a that's definitely gonna be a Ferrari V8 that they don't want to admit is a Ferrari V8. Uh-huh. Why would they not want to admit that? Because of marketing, I guess you could say. Mm. Like, I don't think Ferrari wants to be seen as someone that sells their engines to other companies, even though Ferrari owns Maserati. And I think Maserati wants to be seen as a high-end sports car sports luxury car company that develops their own stuff so it probably has like programming and and stuff like that like in a tune that maserati did but mm. i think for the most part it's a ferrari engine is ferrari hand built probably less so than they used to be but i'm at some aspects probably still are i don't know that though because i saw i don't know probably a couple of years ago now i saw a documentary, I think it was on the Ghibli, 
that those are all mass manufactured, you know, on a uh, assembly line. Uh, the engines might be hand-built. I'm not sure. I forget now. But it kind of goes to what you were saying as far as, you know, a high-end, you know, Italian sports car maker trying to, I guess, appeal to a segment a little bit lower than that, but still have a, you know, a higher end vehicle mm-hmm. that's mass produced. So it's interesting because I think it's, to what you said, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know Maserati has a Ford tie? Mm-mm. Yeah. So uh, what? turn of the century, Ford owned Maserati. At the turn of the century? Yeah. Like early 2000s. Really? Yeah. So they own Maserati, and I'm pretty sure whatever the sedan was at the time, because I'm not up on the different models they have, I'm pretty sure it had the quad cam V8 out of the Cobra. Really? I kind of feel like I remember seeing a car like that on a dealership lot. And it had a lot of it had it had a lot of plastic on it. You know, like you pull you open the engine and it's got like yeah. plastic on it. But it was a V8, it might have been a four six. But that's it. It has my wheels turning because that thing was probably around like an 01 or an 02. Yeah, it had. I don't know if it had the early Cobra engine that was mm-hmm. naturally aspirated or the supercharged mm-hmm. one. I think it had both. Um, but yeah, they they owned Maserati along with some other companies and put their their modular quad cam V8 into the Maserati and just put their own engine cover on it and yeah. called it a day. It's funny how it happens. There's a um, an automaker, Italian automaker. I forget what it's called, honestly. But it basically has a Cobra drivetrain in it, but not not that well disguised. Like the car looks Italian. It's a little smaller than a, like a Mustang, but the, if, you, if you open the engine, it looks like a Cobra. It's like you know, it's like it's literally like transplanted. The uh-huh. gauges, the gauges are the same. You're not talking about panos, are you? No. Okay. No, it's not pan. No, it's not that. The outside of the car looks 100 percent Italian. It's super small. I'm not familiar with this one. You stumped I'm not, me. I'm not sure how I'm gonna like, start this search, but <laughs> you're gonna have to figure it out. But while we're talking, while I'm looking this up, I'm gonna ask you a question. This is from one of our listeners, and they asked me. They they asked me to bring this up. They said if you could eliminate one car from ever being created what would that car be did they specify one car model because my first answer is going to be the suv segment no no yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah specific models yeah I'm going to have to ponder that one for a second. But I found yeah. out what I was looking for. You, okay. you have to come up with the answer by the end of this uh, podcast. Okay. All right. So this is called, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm not sure if the Q is silent, but it's Quavale Mangushka. You ever hear that? Q-V-A-L-E Mangusta. M-A-N-G-U-S-T-A. That sounds familiar. Google it when you get a minute. It's really interesting. I've seen a couple in real life, uh, and it's really cool because. Oh yeah, I've seen these. It's like a it's like an Italian sports car. Yeah, I've seen these, but with like American muscle. Yeah, this is definitely. And, yeah, actually, I don't even think this is their own car. Like, if you look at the interior shot, it's very much new edge Mustang. 
100%, yeah. Like the Gage Cluster is New Edge Mustang. When I say New Edge for the listeners, uh, we're talking 1999 to 2004 Mustang. Um, the shifter is obviously the same. The center stack has a different finishing panel on it, but the vents are the same. The, yeah, all the vents, the whole dash panel is the same. Mm. Um, the switches, of course, are the same. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so what this was is a small company that kind of took the chassis of the Mustang, removed the bodywork, and then put their own bodywork on it. I think it's kind of cool, though, because... It was actually... So it was made from 99 to 2002. So that's exactly mm. what it was. It was it was actually, now that I'm thinking about it, probably like a 97, 98 Mustang. So mm. that would be the SN95. Apparently, it was renamed the De Tomaso Mangusta, which I have heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was named after the car from 67 to 91. Or 71. Pretty cool though. Like I kind of like the looks of it. It's a little different. Never seen one. Uh not in person, but I've seen photos of this before. Yeah. They're definitely different. You don't see them every day, that's for sure. Mm. You probably never will either. That'd be cool though, because the running gear is probably on Mustangs. So yeah, it is. It's got the it says it's got the DOHC Ford modular V8 and has a five-speed manual supplied by borg warner or a gm four-speed automatic so they put a mm. gm transmission on the back of a ford engine mm. which i'm not sure why you do that i feel like it'd be easier just to you know use one of the ford transmissions yeah like why would you do that i feel like that DOHC motor though like it's harder and harder to come by like, parts for it. i remember when i was at the ford dealership and the cobras those independent rear uh suspension cobras would come in for work like real rear seals and things like that were already hard to come by so they only made 284 of those cars i, I don't know they built 29 cars for crash testing and homologation and then they sold 18 cars in europe and 284 cars total i know if i, yeah, I, one- I, I doubt you're gonna ever see one if I could find one for a reasonable price, I'd probably scoop it up because that seems like it'd be a fun little car to have. I mean, I feel like you, you don't see the, little small cars like that with a nice sounding V8 in them. The easy, the nice thing is it'd be easy to maintain because it's Ford running gear. Right. So here's something that I wanted to talk about last week and it's kind of random, but do you, have you ever heard about the death wobble? Oh yeah. I'm talking more about cars, not so much motorcycles. No, yeah, it's a big thing with um, like early 2000s Super Duty trucks, especially if they're like lifted. Randomly saw something the other day and it was just like going nuts. And the guy was just like all over the place trying to get it under control. And he finally did. And it's crazy because it like, I guess after you drop under a certain speed, it, it like, you know, settles itself out. Right. But the, the thing was like going nuts and then it just kind of like stopped all of a sudden. Have you ever seen a video of what like what it looks like outside the car when that's happening? That's what I saw. Yeah. Okay. It's nuts. It looked like yeah. the wheel was going <laughs> to fall off. Yeah. Like inside the car, the whole thing is shaking. But outside the car, it's like it's almost like the car is just jumping around. Like the tires yeah. are going in all different directions in the front and the whole car is bouncing and definitely uh, an experience to watch. Do those exact from like a solid front axle? I'm not sure. I mean, to my knowledge, the Ford Super Duties, at least the ones that I know I've heard of it happening on, they, I think for their 
four-wheel drive systems, they use like a split I-beam. Or they may be a solid front axle. I'm not quite sure when they switched over. Like in the 80s, the Ford trucks used like two two I-beams that went from left to right. And the, the differential was somewhere in the middle there. Um, and I'm not sure when they moved to like a, a solid axle in the front with control arms and stuff and springs and stuff like that so i don't know when they made that switch but it from what i understand it mostly comes from trucks that are lifted and basically the bushings and the ball joints and everything just wear out and then mm. there's so much play in there that mm. the suspend the wheels aren't being controlled very well which brings to mind another Another thing I was thinking about today, and you ever see like a car, like an economy car? That's it was this one particularly was a Camry, Toyota Camry, probably from like '99, and it was like clearly not taken care of, and you just like don't want to be around that car. And this guy hit a bump, and the the wheel, like the rear, the rear ends like jumping all around. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it hit a bump and. Like 20 feet down the road, it's still trying to settle from that. It clearly, it's on the factory shocks that should have been replaced like 80,000 miles ago. Right. And I just noticed, I was like, oh, God, yeah, you guys have to do better here. You need to take better care of your cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I spot that fairly frequently. You know, you'll, you'll see a tire that's like the car goes over a bump and the, the control arm, you can just watch it keep bouncing and yeah. the rest of the car is not moving. Um, or if both of them are bad in the back, you'll just see the car go over a bump and like the whole trunk just keeps bouncing like a low rider. Mm -hmm. And you go over the same bump because bump you're right behind them and you don't do that. From the back or from inside, it may not feel like that. Just might feel like you've got a soft ride and maybe there's a little bit of bouncing. But when the car just keeps bouncing like that, not only is it noticeable to see, but it's doing a lot of other things too. Like it's reducing the amount of control the driver has. Mm -hmm. And it's also prematurely wearing the tires. Mm -hmm. um, if you take, if you look at the tires on a car like that, after, you know, five or 10,000 miles, you'll actually see like um, dips in the tread. It's called cupping, but you'll see dips in the tread where basically every time that tires smacked on the ground again, it's squishing and, scraping the tread away and uh it you know it's definitely going to have signs of premature and irregular wear um, because of that so while that person may not have the money or care to afford to replace that tire or the um the shock if you leave it go long enough you're going to be replacing your tires before you would have needed to so you're actually spending more money yeah i think this particular car the tires replaced instead of tires would probably worth more than the car itself to be placed. <laughs> so cupping, um, if a car sits, you know, for a long time, the same storage or whatever, and you get flat spots from sitting, you know, for so long, is that the same thing? So a flat spot is like, if you look at a car, that's like the tires are low on, on pressure. And mm -hmm. so like, it's, it's round, but at the bottom, it's like flat. Um, mm -hmm. Flat spot is basically... Or here's here's one for you. If you ever had like rollerblades or a skateboard with one of those hard wheels, or um, a floor jack where mm -hmm. the wheel just didn't turn 
and it mm. just dragged on the ground all the time and then it got flat and worn down in one spot mm-hmm. that's essentially what a flat spot is and so every time the tire turns and it, the flat spot hits the ground you're going to feel it because essentially it's a square tire at that spot mm. so it's not round anymore depending on the scenario like how long it was sitting what kind of tires it is things like that sometimes with a little bit of driving once the tire warms up the flat spot will go away other times it's kind of there permanently and you really can't get it up i think that's the problem with my father-in-law's car right now his red g37 uh, doesn't get driven a whole lot and the one time i was driving it and i realized there's a vibration in this car mm-hmm. and that's the benefit of having a, a twin car to it in the garage is it has a different vibration than my wife's car does. Like you can, if you look in the rear view mirror, you can see it vibrating and you can feel it in the car. And so the last time I had it serviced and inspected in the fall, I had the tires balanced and they balanced fine, um, but the vibration was still there. So the only thing I can think of is that the cars, those tires have permanent flat spots in them. How long, how long does that car sit? Without being driven, um, it varies, but it, I mean, for a while it sat, it would sat for a couple of months at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, maybe it's, it's a 2010 and it's got less than 40,000 miles on it. So, wow, and I think he put those tires on it about four years ago. Still haven't figured out which car I would banish from Earth for the rest of the, of time. Yeah, never existed. There's a lot of cars, so uh, yeah, that's tough. What were you saying? I was, I was saying that you know you have some time, so don't put too much pressure on yourself. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think now what I would get rid of. But as I was thinking about the death wobble, I started thinking about motorcycles because okay. that happens sometimes on a bike. And then I started thinking about Sturgis. You know, they was that is that North Dakota? I think it is. Uh, I don't know. I should know this. I think it's South Dakota. You might. Be I right. don't. I don't know. It's been so long since I've been in the motorcycle world that I, I'm probably wrong. I would love to go to that. I don't have a motorcycle. Yeah, I've been on them. I've ridden them. I'd like to have one, but at this, at this point, I just don't think it's a good idea. Um. But that's something that I've always wanted to experience. I think that it's just like a, one of those things in life that you should just like witness and like just the craziness of it all. What are your thoughts on that? At one time, I wanted to go. Now, I'm not necessarily interested in it. Um, I'm not I even did... talking about like, I'm not talking about like the cars or the motors. I'm just talking about like, like, the, like the, the people watching aspect of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I've been to some, some bike rallies, uh, one, like I've gone to uh, bike week in ocean city, Maryland a couple mm. of times and I've gone to um, Gettysburg bike week or bike is really a, a weekend. Um, I've, been to, <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Gettysburg and I don't remember if York did one or not, but um, in both of those, they were pretty big. And it, like when you're there, it's a constant rumble. It's almost mm-hmm. like someone's playing a, like a looping bass track because mm-hmm. you just hear the rumble of the, of the bikes in the, in, in the background. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you see, you know, you see some interesting tattoos. You see, see some interesting body piercings. You see some interesting clothing choices. Mm-hmm. Um, you see some interesting um, male-female pairings that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Sure. Uh, you see some interesting levels of sunburn. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. All kinds of different stuff. Yeah, I feel like, you know, places like that are definitely probably number one on the uh, people watching list. Yeah, definitely some some visual entertainment. Yeah, I like that. It's always fun. Um, I was thinking about car sharing. In what way? In, in, in car clubs. In the event that, like, say, you know, you're part of a car club and they have a couple of high-end exotics or whatever. And there's, you know, there's like a clubhouse and then it's almost like a timeshare for cars. Okay. What do you think about that? I think that'd be, I think that'd be really cool. I'm sure they exist. I've heard a story of a group of doctor friends who all went to med school together Mm. and said that, you know, they all liked cars and they wanted to have several cars, but didn't really want to have to worry about the place to store them or whatever. So they actually did that and there was like, you know, five or 10 of these doctors and they had various numbers of cars and they would rotate in and out and share them and kind of, you know, you go to the storage warehouse and just grab a key to whatever car you want to drive and uh, have fun for the day and then bring it back. Um, I think it's an interesting idea and I think it would take a, you know, the right group of people to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I could find that group of people that you know is trustworthy and yeah. takes care of their own stuff as well as other people's stuff, and you know has yeah. an equally uh, interesting taste in in cars and and things like that, I think that might be interesting to, to do. I don't know how how common it is, but I know of at least one group of people that did it. Do you know if they had like an LLC for it or if it was just like a, a gentleman's agreement? I don't. I don't know if I don't know any details. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you would definitely have to you definitely wouldn't be able to open that up to like the public because it would get trashed. like those things would get trashed. Yeah, but I that's think. that's what I mean to a in a different way, that's what some of the car rental companies are for, like um, Turo, Harry Insurance launched their own version of Turo, mm-hmm. uh, like like about a year ago. Really? And it's yeah, and it's more focused on cars for enthusiasts. Mm. Whereas, like, if you go on Turo, you know, you'll find minivans and pickups and and SUVs and there's there's fun stuff on there too. Like, there's literally every kind of car on there. Mm. But the Haggerty version is it's a smaller um, company and, but their, their focus is on, on like interesting um, cars, you know? So like I was on there today looking at something out of curiosity and, you know, there was a 64 Mustang and there was a Lotus Elise and a couple of like Chevelles and, you know, an old Triumph, I think, and uh, just stuff like that. But you can, just like, rent, you can just rent them. Yeah. Just like, just huh. like an enterprise, um, hmm. but they're more enthusiast car based. 
That's pretty awesome. I never heard of that. I have to check that out. It's kind of hard to find on their website, but if you go to Haggerty and then I think you click like experiences and then mm. like towards the bottom is some other tab. I can't remember what, um, but eventually you find DriveShare. Have you ever heard of those <clears throat> companies that where you can rent like an exotic for the day or, or it's, no, not rent. It's more like an experience where you drive the car with somebody for like an hour or two. Yeah. I think it was my sister got me that for some type of gift one year. Uh And I was in a Ferrari something or other. Okay. And uh, I forget exactly where, but I was in Jersey. And, you know, you're with some guy who probably moonlights as like a DJ or a bouncer. (laughs) It's like huge guy with a gold chain and I'm feeling like very uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And uh, this thing out, this Ferrari I was driving had every check engine light and every <laughs> warning really? light imaginable on the dash. Yeah. Huh. And the thing was like, obviously not maintained the way it should be. You know what I mean? Like it was clear, yeah. it was clear that these guys were just renting this car out an hourly. It was like a, like a motel, you know? Yeah. Like an hourly motel. But it was fun. I had a great time. I did have a guy um, when I was driving, we were merging and I left a guy, like, I let someone come in front of me and then this, the guy put his hand out the window and did this to me, you know, like small oh, yeah. teeny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey man, I'm just having a good time. <laughs> this is not my car. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many times that happens to people. I never would have thought of that. You know what I mean? Like people like, try to compensate, like overcompensate yeah. or whatever. I bet it happens quite a bit. Maybe it's different because it's a Porsche and it's not the same as like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've never noticed anyone doing that to me. But uh, I'm sure they're, pro- they're probably I'm sure people think it. it. Yeah, they probably think it. Yeah, like sometimes I'll I'll drive aggressively in my car, and I'm and I'm wondering like you know what are these people thinking? You know, like oh here like your typical Audi driver. Just being an a you know, hole or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but, there are times when I'm driving that I want to do something that's kind of a jerk move, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to be like the stereotypical sports car driver or Porsche driver that thinks they own the road and um, just drives like an idiot. So I definitely have been censoring myself more than I used to. Um, weirdly, like I'll still I'll still pass people and. Um, not you usually turn signal. When it's safe. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely more conscious of, you know, do I really want to go around this car and get back in the lane because they're going slow? Even, even though they're going slow in the passing lane, you know, to do it, I'm going to have to accelerate quickly and then juke in and out of both lanes so that I can get around them. So I definitely more calculated in some of those things now. Well, good for you. And I think that that says a lot about you as a person because I valet, I valet cars for like uh, eight years, something like that. And the Porsche drivers, in my experience, are always the worst to deal with. Hmm. Not, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying like they had the they had they just had the worst track record of everybody. When I was working at the Ford dealer. 
um, Mustang owners were like notorious for being like uptight and anal retentive and mm -hmm. like just over the top obnoxious mm -hmm. about how particular they are about their cars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Corvette guys are the same. And I'm sure 911 guys are the same. And, you know, there's always the like, usually it's the enthusiast cars, people like the owners take pride in their car and they want to be particular about certain things. And I've done it. I probably still do it to some degree. And um, it's interesting to see that sometimes. But wouldn't I, to me, every Porsche is an enthusiast car. Like, why would you buy a Porsche if you weren't an enthusiast? Just to have the status? Yes. More so now that they have the SUVs. Like when, when it was just the 911, most of them were sports car enthusiasts. Um, unless they were, unless they got like, you know, a nice cushy job and they wanted to have a sports car. It's mm -hmm. kind of like if you, you know, you get a, your first job in management or something, you know, you go and get a BMW three series mm -hmm. because that's like the status symbol. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, once you get to like executive level or something like that, you want to get a sports car. The first one you think of is a nine eleven because it's like the iconic car. Forget where I was going with that. Oh, so, but then they came out with more models and some of their demographics started changing. Like the, they used to call it the Boxster when it came out, they used to call it the poor man's Porsche because mm. it cost less and you only bought it because you couldn't afford a real, a real Porsche. Mm. And so. When did they and, come out? Like 97? So the, the Boxster was Very first 90, one. 98 or 99. Uh -huh. Um. And especially because the 911 and Boxster shared parts, like they the, did. the headlights, the headlights were the same, the fenders were the same, the hood was the same, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So then, but then they came out with the Cayenne a few years later, and that was like blasphemy and sacrilege and all that good stuff. Because was, yeah, well, no, just <laughs> because it wasn't a real Porsche, you know, yeah, right, it was right. just Porsche caving to society but those are going to have a different clientele and same with like the macan and the panamera then the like you see you don't think twice about seeing a, a cayenne or a macan or panamera driven during the winter mm -hmm. but if you see a 911 or a boxer or a cayman driving in the winter you think what are you crazy and all yeah. like for some reason in 911 being driven in the snow you're destroying the car but it's okay to do to your Cayenne or your Panamera. Mm -hmm. Why? They're built by the same company. They're going to have um, the same engineering. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. not all 911s are super highly collectible. So like, why is that car on a pedestal? So I think it comes down to different owners. Yeah. I think it's um, societal views as well. Like they see an SUV. So that whatever it is, is destined to be in the snow mm. you see a sports car you shouldn't be there and I, I don't, you know the, i feel like most of the general public is probably the only they probably can't even tell if it's a porsche if it's a ford yeah it's maybe a cadillac true. you know what i yeah. mean it's an suv so it belongs in the snow yeah you know and they see like an exotic car and they look at that and they're like, wow, that, that looks different than most cars on the road. Oh, that's a Porsche. Oh, that, should, that shouldn't be on the road in the snow. 
90 percent of the people out there driving aren't paying attention yeah i mean that reminds me of a story i heard of a guy who has a bright yellow lotus elise Mm -hmm. and his mom called him the one day he's like hey i saw your a car just like yours on the road today he's like oh really he's like he's trying to get her to describe it and everything and they finally found a picture of it online and you know what it was it was like a toyota corolla and she thought it was the same car as a Lotus Elise, and they're very different cars. And so that probably, that's just, that probably killed him. <laughs> yeah. And that's just an example of most people don't know that, you know, what the differences are in cars, especially yeah. if they can't see the badge or don't recognize the badge. It's funny because I think that all the time. Like, my car has no badges on it except, or at least the rear. It's got the SA on the front, but sd badge from the rear except for the audi you know you should do you should get a jetta badge and put it on the trunk i would never do that because i (laughs) i hate when people like up badge or d badge or whatever um but like people wouldn't know that that the car drives an s3 rather than like a normal a3 and to me they're like totally different vehicles and unless you unless you know to look at like the tailpipes, which is the only thing that will tell you from the back of my car, like whenever I do something like on the road or whatever, like I mess with somebody else, unless that person knows what exactly to look for, they have no idea. And I think that all the time. Not that not that I mess with people, but if you ever like, you know, if you ever like um like playing around with another car on the road, they have to know what they're looking at. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because although otherwise it's very unassuming, and you would never know. Yeah. And to ninety-eight percent of the people out there, like it's just a regular sedan. So you, you know? talk about up badging. What's your what's your opinion on people that um, take like a Chevy SS or a Pontiac G8? and put Holden badges on it. Or um, I've seen it where someone took the badges off of a Hyundai Tiburon and replaced it with badges from whatever the Japanese version of the car was. So like technically it's not wrong. It's just the badging from a car in a different country. Same car in a different country. They just call it a different name. Like for example, in, in Japan, the Honda Fit is called the Honda Jazz for example. I've seen that happen. Actually, it actually dumbfounded me a couple of years ago. I saw a Chevy SS at a gas station holding badges on it. And I was like, what, what is that? Like, what is this thing? That doesn't bother me because that's really going to confuse people who like know about cars, but like don't know about that specific model. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a Chevy guy. It's like, if you know, you know. Right. Uh, that's like a whole other level of like a badging, in my opinion. Okay. So that doesn't bother me particularly because, like, whatever. Like, you know, that's like that's like Acura guys putting Honda badges on their Integra. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, whatever. Because you're only going to offend if you're going to offend anybody. It's only going to be a small group of people. I don't like it when ha- someone has like a V6 Mustang and put and they put like Cobra badges on it. <laughs> You would you would love this car at work. I'll have to send you pictures sometime. It's uh 
it's a Mustang. It's a new edge Mustang V6. Mm -hmm. And it's got a front splitter with the, with the support struts. Mm -hmm. So like the metal rods. Mm -hmm. And it's got like, it's got like a rear diffuser and it's got an exhaust on it. And it's, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is, it's overdone. Um, And it's just a V6 automatic. It's, and it's plain white and it's, it's probably the detail guy. No, it's not. No, it's 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 a girl, and she she I think her boyfriend also has a Mustang, and they they run around with like a group of Mustangs and stuff. Yeah, so I know I know you're talking about. Oh really? Yeah. You mean like the type of person or the person? I'm pretty sure I know the person. Really? It's oh, like man. a three. It's a white three point eight. Yeah. It's like something wolf or something on it yeah yeah yeah. interesting (laughs) i I guess they live around you or something they were involved with one of the groups like facebook groups like neck. i think so like neck breakers or something yep yep yeah yeah they definitely have decal for neck breakers yeah which oh wow i think you might come with a better name than that but (laughs) that's funny yeah I tried making a, it reminds me, I tried making a car club when I had my first Civic um, mm-hmm. because I forget why, like there was some couple of like more well-known groups in the area where I lived or whatever, but I wanted to have my own car club. And so I was not very creative, still not very creative. Um, so I was like, what could we name it? That sounds cool. Um, and it's a play on words. So I ended up calling it Fast Tech Sports, and that was that was the the club I call I made, and it was like me and one other guy. We got these decals for the front windshield that said Fast Tech Sports on it, and like, yeah, that was I thought that was cool. That's not so bad though. I mean, you know, there's I've heard worse. I've definitely had worse. Yeah, but it's I we I went through a phase. We all went through yeah, a phase. We all do. <laughs> so, but yes, up acting. Never a good idea, in my opinion. I'd rather be a sleeper than put like an M an M emblem on my three eighteen I. So you probably are were not a fan of the when I posted photos of the two decals I put on my car. Are you? Um. Do you remember seeing that? I do remember seeing the decals, but I forget what they were. Okay, because I know when I put them on, Sarah's like you totally made this car look trashy now. She's like, it was classy and nice looking. And now you made it look like, you know, crap. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I thought they were relatively subtle. Like, it's not like I have, you know. Wasn't like Curve the, Hunter or something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's not like I have like the Fast and the Furious chrome guy down the side of my car with his yeah. fist in the air. Um, it's just a little... I have on my driver's side quarter window, I have a, a sticker that says Apex hunting license. And then on the back windshield or the back glass by the t- uh, third brake light, I have one that says everyday driver, but that's it. No, I see. I think I just, I have to disagree with her respectfully. I think that, you know, that's personalization of, of your, your car. And I don't think that takes away from it. I think I think that when people try to make their cars like the next step up than what they are, it's like, dude, you have a V6 Mustang. Like, right. 
So if, like you, if you had my car, would you debadge my car? I mean, there aren't many badges on it. It's got the Porsche crest on the hood and it just says Cayman S on the trunk and that's it. There's nothing else on the car. So for the record, no, I wouldn't debadge yours. I've never debadged any car that I had. Oh, that's um, right. Yours came that way. Mine came that way and I got rear-ended. And the, the, the body shop was like, do you want like the S3 emblem on there? And I said, no, because I, I liked the way it looked. And I, I toured with that idea like a lot. I'm like, maybe I should have put that back on there, but like, it's clean to me. I like. I you don't like have the it. Quattro badge either, right? Nothing, no. Just the rings? Also, just the rings in the trunk, yeah. Yeah. And I like that. To me, it looks clean. Once in a while, I think about, oh, maybe I should have put the S3 back on there. But, you know, like you said, if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, an average person driving down the road, if they see if it's an S3 and AC, they, they, they're not going to know what the hell the difference is anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, might as well just keep it nice and clean. But in your situation, I don't think that, that your car has, you don't have much debadging that you can possibly do. And there's the details that you put on there, it's just personalization. And they're decals, so they can come off easily because they're on the glass. So if I decide yeah. I don't like them, I can just grab scrape them off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so. Yeah, it's, it's easy stuff to do. All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour already. It's great having everyone back. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, as always, you can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com. That's windingroads with an S podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, windingroadspodcast. Um, as always, send us an email or a, a message uh, on Instagram or, or in the email and because we look forward to hearing from you guys. Your feedback is important and appreciated and helps us grow the show so that more people can find it uh, just like you. So if you could leave us a, re- a review on your favorite podcast app. And uh, until next time, enjoy the drive.